The Selfish Path to Romance. Download Chapter 1 for free at drkenner.com and at amazon.com. The creator stands on his own judgment. The parasite follows the opinions of others. The creator thinks. The parasite copies. The creator produces. The parasite loots. The creator's concern is the conquest of nature. The parasite's concern is the conquest of men. And that's from the movie The Fountainhead, and that was the book uh, that it was based on was uh, The the Fountainhead by Ayn Rand, my favorite author, A-Y-N-R-A-N-D. And after I read that book, and after I read Atlas Shrugged, I had been sitting home knitting socks on circular needles, and I decided I wanted a life. I wanted an exciting, adventurous life, and I went out and read everything I could that Ayn Rand had written, and I went back and got my PhD, and that's what, that's, now I'm Dr. Ellen Kenner, and the show is The Rational Basis of Happiness, and if you're wanting more happiness, I really recommend reading Ayn Rand, either The Fountainhead or Atlas Shrugged or her other works, because it has the power to give you incredible motivation or help you motivate yourself. That's more accurate. And again, I'm Dr. Ellen Kenner. The show is The Rational Basis of Happiness, and that means you can get on the line right now and call me with any question that's robbing you of your happiness. And I want to welcome Diana to the show. Diana, you're having some difficulty with your grandson? Yes. I babysit him during the summer. Um, he's nine years old. He has a 10-year-old sister. I babysit both of them. Okay. And he has ADHD. Okay. He takes medication during the school year, but in the summer we try to not give him the medication because he's, you know, we like him to gain a little weight over the summer because, <laughs> okay. as you know, many of them are as skinny as a rail. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, part of it's probably my own stress level. Meaning what? Meaning that when he when he just exhibits that impulsive behavior, and he's not a mean child or, yeah. you know, anything like that, it's just mostly his inability to control his behavior at all. I mean, like today was just a horrible day. We went to the pool, and he bit the end off the noodle, and he did. He bit. Oh, the end. You mean those styrofoam noodles? Yeah, those styrofoam yeah. noodles. Yeah, he because our pool broke, so we we went over to my sister's. Of course, I was tense because I was over there, and yeah. You know, just it was just a whole issue, and then we came back home, and I, they were um, coloring, yeah. drawing and coloring and painting, and so while I was in the living room, he decided to take the water from the paint brushes, and I guess make Kool Aid or something, and you know, just dumped it all over the floor, and it was just not a good day, and. You know, so I'm telling my daughter, you need to do something. He needs to learn some behavioral. Oh, he definitely needs... Yeah, he definitely does. And he needs to be taught it in a way that he can hear. Because too many times when you have a a child like that, they they burn us out. You you know, we reach our limit and we just... By the time we try to speak up, we're just feeling so frustrated that if if you didn't speak English but were watching a video of a parent with a a child who has ADHD, you would know that that parent is very frustrated. Right. So... Um, I want to back up, though. Um, I do want to get to his behavior, but the first question I have is, how did you end up babysitting? Because she has two children. I work, I'm a uh, school nurse. Okay. So I work during the school year, and I don't work during the summer months. Yeah. And 
it, where we are, you know, the cost of daycare for two children is just crazy. Yeah. So I kind of took on that responsibility. I'm 62 now, and I've been babysitting them for the last, I guess, four years, three or four years. Yeah, Every summer. Like Every summer. And, of course, you know, this is another whole issue. My husband is over it. And because he just retired from his second job this yeah. year, and he's not working, so it's a problem for him. And it's just a very stressful situation. And we've already kind of said to the daughter, "We're not going to do this. This is the last year." So, um, but in the meantime, I want to be able to be better with him. I, you know, I understand the problem as certainly as a school nurse. Yeah, I deal with it every day. Yeah, but when it's your own family. And it's with you all day long. It's it's a whole different ball game. And I just I don't know if I need better coping skills or we need to get him. I feel like he needs to be in behavior therapy and learn how to better control his own behavior. Um, and I just you know I, I guess I just need some guidance so maybe I can pass it on to my daughter. Okay, so I want to put this in context. The context is that you're frustrated, meaning there's you're torn. You're really. It sounds like you're in. You're between a rock, rock and a hard place because your husband wants time with you. He's retired. He wants his peace, and the kids are there. And one of the children, not not your, the ten year old, uh, but the nine year old, is hyperactive, and partly when when let me go back into some the two examples that you gave me to see if we can generate what you might be do differently. When he bit the end off the noodle, and I know you're very skilled. You said you're a school nurse, so I'm aware of that. When he bit the end off of the noodle in the swimming pool, what happened then? I said, Zachary, did you just bite the end off that noodle? And he said he did it by accident. I said, no, Zachary. You don't open your mouth, stick something in it, clamp your teeth down by accident. We both know that was not an accident, so you have to get out of the pool. Yeah. That is your punishment, yeah. is to get out of the pool. Yeah. And that's what I did. Okay. And for a what period is- of time. I mean, I didn't ban him completely for the rest of the hour or so that we were there, but he was at, like in timeout. Okay, so it's like the natural consequences. If you misuse the equipment, then you need to get out of the pool. You don't have the you don't have the right to go back in there. Mm-hmm. So what did uh, that sounds proper? What you did, and how did he react? He went and sat down. Oh, he did. Oh yeah, and he was fine for about two minutes. Mimi, can I get back in the pool? I pinky promise I won't <laughs> do anything again. Yeah, so you I I love said, no, those. Zachary. Yeah. <laughs> You pinky promise me stuff all the time, and then you don't do it. So, no, we're not pinky promising on this either. Yeah. You have to sit there till I tell you to get up. Okay. So that's what we did. He sat there for probably another five minutes, and then yeah. I let him get back in the pool with the caveat that, you know, if you do something again, the same punishment's going to ensue. Okay. Right there I hear something um, that could be tweaked a little bit. Okay. You always want the consequence tied to what he did. For example, if you took TV away that evening when he bit the noodle in the pool, then the two things are totally disconnected. But taking him out of the pool is directly connected. That's very good. You know, he doesn't have a right to go back in the pool. And then it's... um, 
when when you when you say if you do that again the same thing will happen what happens is over over time if he keeps hearing if you do that again something bad will happen he starts to experience himself as what the good kid or the troublemaker i see so what you want kids. yeah what you want to do it's very subtle and it's very understandable because parents are so stressed out with any active kid whether or not they are hyperactive um but there is a wonderful wonderful book and you may already know about it you may have read it how to talk so kids will listen and listen so kids will talk how to talk so kids will, I'm writing this down. Okay, and it's on my website, drkenner.com. Oh, okay, let and me write that. And chapter six in this book mm-hmm. is, is how to help children break out of a bad role, you know, a negative role. Mm-hmm. And so what you actually do is say, Zachary, we will have such smiles when you go in the pool and you enjoy it. You know, I I can't wait to have one of those smiles. So instead of focusing on the negative behavior, he may still do it again. He may bite another noodle. But instead (laughs) of making a big deal about the negative behavior, it's like, you know, I have some confidence in you. You know, you want to to help him build more self-efficacy and get out of that role of he's the one that's always in trouble, always in trouble. For example, if a kid, uh, if a kid always takes... Um, oh, I know we need to wrap up. Can you hold on? I'll talk with you after sure. the, the break for a few minutes. Absolutely. Um, but um, if a kid is always taking things, what you need to do is to, um, I do need to hold on until after the break. If the kid is taking things, you want to say, why don't you divide the cake? Because I, I, I will, ex- you know, I hope you will f- divide it fairly, or I expect you to divide it fairly, and you give them opportunities to make amends and do things better. So, coming up, what would you do if you came back to your car after shopping and found several men stealing the stuff? You know, would, are you one of those people that would shout and scream and call for help, or would you try to tear the uh, the goods that they're stealing out, or would you run and hide? When we return, I'll talk about how to act when someone threatens violence with the trauma and crisis expert, Dr. James Campbell. I'm Dr. Ellen Kenner on the Rational Basis of Happiness. Here's an excerpt from The Selfish Path to Romance, the serious romance guidebook by clinical psychologist Dr. Ellen Kenner and co-author Dr. Edwin Locke. Observe that people who are chronic sacrifices appear selfless in the sense that they want to gratify everyone else's wishes. Observe that narcissists appear self-centered in the sense that they want everyone to gratify their wishes, but they lack genuine self-esteem, any real sense of themselves or their own worth, and they desperately need other people to relieve them of their doubts. This relief is short-lived because others cannot create the self-esteem they lack, so their desire for reassurance from others is insatiable and unremitting. The most accurate description of such people is not that they are selfless or self-centered, but rather that they are self-doubt-centered. You can download Chapter 1 for free by going to drkenner.com. And you can buy The Selfish Path to Romance at amazon.com.